there and welcome to the show. I'm Allison Southwick and this is the very first episode of Motley Fool Answers. You might already be familiar with some of our other shows including Motley Fool Money and Market Foolery. We're a little different. We're not going to talk about stocks so if that's what you came for go see Chris Hill. Instead every week we will give you the very best actionable advice to help you manage your money. This is the show you asked for our foolish followers and that's why we're here. You have a lot of money questions and we have a lot of money answers. Today, we're going to talk about finishing the year strong financially. By the end of the show, you'll know how to set yourself up for a financially fit 2015. And then we're going to ask Morgan Housel what every investor should read in three questions we always ask. I'm joined here, because I'm not alone, by Robert Brokamp. Hello, everyone. He's the advisor on Motley Fool's Rule Your Retirement, and he's also a certified financial planner. I'm also, also joined by Dayana Yoakum. She's a personal finance expert here at The Fool and author of The Motley Fool's Guide to Couples and Cash. Woohoo! We're excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, then let's just do this. So, year is coming to a close, and we want to start off by giving you, our listeners, the number one most important to-do to end this year strong. Diana, why don't you go first? All right. My number one piece of advice for people, something to do before the year ends, is to go ahead and contribute more to your workplace retirement account, specifically your 401k, 403b, TSP. This is opposed to an IRA because you only have until December 31st to add money to those accounts, to the 401k, but you have up until April 15th. 2015 to squirrel money away in the IRA. So get on it right away. Give your payroll department uh, instructions that you want to make sure that you have maxed either maxed out or to add extra money uh, to your account. And if you're waffling about doing it, just think about this. Your contributions are tax deductible, meaning if you make an extra $1,000 contribution, that just saved you $250 in taxes, say if you're in the 25% tax bracket. And because you're investing that money instead of handing it over to Uncle Sam, it's growing year after year. So you do this every year. You invest that $1,250. After 20 years earning 8% annually, you've got an extra 67 grand in your retirement account. So this is definitely a to-do if you you can manage it. And some people get their year-end bonuses right now, so Mm -hmm. you might know. Uh, where you can get that extra money. Uh, but don't wait till December 31st to tell your payroll. It takes them a while to process that. Do it now, ideally uh, at least a week, maybe 10 days before you tell them, listen, take a little bit more money out of my last paycheck of 2014. Yeah, but seriously, right now, hit pause. Go do right, this. Right, just go do it right now. Yeah. We'll wait. Yeah, we'll be here. All right, Robert. <laughs> What, is, what was that? I was going to rap, but I'm not very good at it. No kidding. The human beatbox. You are horrible at it. <laughs> All right, Robert. You are you're horrible is, at rapping. This is a very are. supportive environment here. No, I'm going to tell you, you're horrible at rapping, but you're very good at offering personal finance advice. So what is your number one thing to do to end the year strong financially? The most important thing that I think you should do at the end of this year is to factor any life changes that have happened in 2014 or you expect to happen in 2015 into your finances now. One of my mantras that I always write about is that life changes are financial changes. So what are we talking about? Things you have that like, on a bumper sticker, don't I you? do, yes. <laughs> I thought that um, was your right, car. Right under, I can't rap. Um, <laughs> we're talking about things like marriage or divorce, 
um, a death in the family, maybe you had kids, changed jobs, you retired. All of these things have an impact on your finances. So, for example, you may be under or overinsured, whether your health or your property insurance, maybe you obtained something, uh, someone passed away, you inherited something worth a lot, it may not, you may not have enough insurance to do that. Uh, maybe you had a teenage driver who's left the home, now your insurance, you could lower that as well. Your legal documents may be outdated. So we're talking about your will and beneficiaries listed on your important financial accounts. If you got divorced, you want to make sure that your spouse is no longer in there. You want to make sure that you change the beneficiary on the life insurance policy, things like that. Update where you keep all your important documents or money-related things. Uh, I had this discussion with my dad when I was home for Thanksgiving. He moved recently, and he doesn't know where he put all his important documents. Some of it still might be in boxes, so you want to make sure you know that. And then, finally, you want to review your tax withholding status as well as other factors. So, you know, all these things can often have an impact on your taxes. And you want to know now, before your first paycheck of 2015, because you don't want to find out a year later that you've been underpaying. You may not have the cash, you might have to pay penalties. So you want to do that now. I can just picture our listeners sitting by the fire, snow is falling outside, they have a cup of cocoa, and they're just kind of thinking about, thinking about the year thinking about the life ahead. Hey, honey, what's our insurance deductible? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Happy pa- holidays. Pass the eggnog. No, the spiked one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's our most important to-dos, but there are actually a ton of things that you can do. So let's just blow through these really quickly, and this is a podcast, so you can hit pause if you need to catch up. But there's a lot of great advice out there, and we want to lay it on you, starting right. with Diana. Uh one end of your thing you should do, make your charitable contributions for karma and lower taxes. Open or contribute a 529 college savings account. Get tax-free growth if that money is used for qualified higher education expenses. Another delightful task that you should possibly tackle right now is start doing your tax return. So you'll have an idea of how much you're going to get back or how much you're going to owe. And if you're going to owe a lot, start compiling that money, adjust your withholding now to avoid a big tax bill, uh, and take any of those you know, Christmas quarters that you get in your stocking and put those aside so that you can cover your taxes. Another thing to do is evaluate your employee benefits. Uh, this is often time for open enrollment. You want to evaluate whether you have the right thing to uh, go back to the incorporate life events. You might, not, you might need a different health insurance plan given what happened. So now's a good time to evaluate that. Speaking of employee benefits, if you have a flexible spending account, your company may require that you spend the money in there before December 31st. Some companies give you until March. The rules have changed as for what you can use that money for, so be sure and check out uh, the restrictions there. Right, and actually now, um, some companies allow you to roll over $500 from one year to the next. But if they allow that, you no longer have that grace period. So you definitely have to ask your HR department, what are the rules for your FSA? You're going to be getting to know your HR department really well. Us you and your HR things. department <laughs> are your best friends for 2015. All right, last one, Robert. I would say rebalance your portfolio. Uh, we've actually had a good stock market over the last several years. Uh, the the low in 2009 was 666. Now it's over 2,000 for the S&P 500. So if you had decided way back then, well, I should have this much in cash, bonds, and stocks. It's totally out of whack now. So you want to go into 2015 with the amount of risk that's appropriate for you. Not only probably has your stock allocation grown, but you're several years older, which means you should be playing it safer. But you so look take great. A look at that. Oh, absolutely. You look great. 
that does it for the do's. Now it's time for one don't. And I want a don't that's maybe something that people do advise you to do, but don't. Maybe. Sounds good. I think we can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, For this, I would say don't invest in mutual funds before the end of the year that are in a taxable account. And the reason why is that a lot of fund families save the bulk of their capital gains and, and dividend income payouts for the end of the year. They have to do it before December 31st. Shareholders are responsible for paying taxes on that, on those distributions, regardless of how long they've been shareholders. So when you invest money, say when you're doing your rebalancing, when you invest money into that fund, uh, you reap none of the rewards, uh, but you have to pay taxes on them regardless. Right. You you would think that, well, I'm getting some money, at least I'll pay taxes on that. But the value of the share price of the fund is adjusted downward. So let's say it's worth $10 a share. And they distribute 10%, it's gonna drop to $9. Most people reinvest that stuff, goes back to $10. So the value of your investment has not changed, but now you have a bunch, a bunch of taxes. Even if you bought it two days before the record date when they make that distribution. Mm-hmm. All right, Robert, what's your don't? Um, this is a little complicated, but a lot of people will talk about doing something called tax loss harvesting in your taxable accounts. What does that mean? Well, if you have any investments, that are down below the price you paid for them. Let's say you bought a stock at 100, it's now worth 80. You can sell that stock, and that $20 per share loss you can use on your tax return as a deduction, essentially. So you can use it to wipe out some of the gains or reduce your taxable income by $3,000 a year if you have more losses than you can carry it forward. Here's the problem with that. You're not allowed to buy back the same investment for 30 days then you can buy it back. But see, this is what you have done at that point is you have lowered your cost basis. Let's say it was at 100, down to 80, you buy it back at 80. You've lowered your cost basis now. So when you sell in the future, you're going to pay a higher capital gain. That might be a good idea if you're going to be in a lower tax bracket then. But if you're going to be in a higher tax bracket, either because you make more money or you expect tax rates to go up, it actually wasn't such a good idea to take that capital loss today. So tax loss harvesting, it's not bad if you're planning to buy something else, right? but just don't buy the same stock all exactly. over again. Exactly. That sounds like an easy rule of thumb. So there you have it. Two very important do's, a bunch of other do's, and two don'ts so that you can start 2015 on the financially fantastic foolish pudding. If foolish. you need some more alliteration. I always do. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Housel is one of the most beloved writers on Fool.com, and as co-workers, we think he's pretty okay, too. I sat down with Morgan for three questions we always ask. All right, first question is, what is your best piece of advice for someone who wants to start investing in the stock market? My best advice, and really the most important advice for, for all investing, is to lengthen the amount of time you're investing for. The longer you can do it for, the better. What three things, printed or online or otherwise, should the novice investor read to improve their chances of success? You should be on Twitter. I think Twitter is the best communication device ever invented. You should follow probably 50 people in total, but three in particular. Josh Brown, the reform broker. You should follow The Motley Fool. And you should follow Barry Ritholtz. Okay. What's your biggest investment mistake, and you can't say I didn't start early enough? Uh, I, when I started investing when I, was, when I was young, I tried every technique that you could imagine, day trading and penny stocks and trading options, and you learned some mistakes the hard way. 
So there, you know, there, there's really only one good way to invest. It's just long-term investing in good companies. That's the smartest way, but I tried them all. So if you had to put your entire retirement in either gold, bonds, or Banksy, the renowned street artist, what would it be? <laughs> can I can I slip my wrist instead? Is that an option? It would be it would be bonds. I think that would be a dismal return, but that would be your best option in the end. Better than gold and Banksy. Well, gold's gonna do nothing for you. Banksy's gonna get arrested before long, so that's I'm sticking with bonds. And then his art will become even more. That's probably, that's probably a good point. Yeah, so maybe it's Banksy. That'll do it for today, folks. For Robert Brokamp and Diana Yoakum, I'm Allison Southwick. Cool on. Cool on.